Hey, Uncommon Leaders, welcome back. This is the Uncommon Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Gallagher. In this episode, I had the honor of interviewing my friend and former coworker, Adam Ward. You might remember that Adam was a guest a couple years back, and his journey since then is really inspiring. With almost two decades of experience as an executive coach specializing in corporate transformations, Adam has helped many businesses and individuals tap into their untapped potential, leading to more fulfilling lives, both professionally and personally. Adam's expertise covers a wide range of topics, including how to create true customer value now and how to jumpstart your innovation today. But in this episode, we'll be diving deep into a particular important one to you, the listener, how to immediately add time back to your calendar. We all know how valuable time is, and Adam has some truly game-changing insights to share on the subject. During our conversation, Adam will be sharing some practical tips and strategies that you can start implementing right away including how he uses AI to gain back time. Let's get started. Hey, Adam Ward, welcome back to the Uncommon Leader Podcast. It's great to have you on. Look, I couldn't believe that it had been two years since we, almost to the day since we recorded the last podcast that we had together, but time is flying by. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me back. I've been looking at all your episodes, you know, following you since then, and uh, you've had some amazing people on here. So to let me back on, I feel privileged. Oh, come on, man. Don't be humble. There will be no time <laughs> for being humble in the next 30 minutes or so. We're going to get right through that. But So you won't get a chance to talk about your childhood story because I already did that. So it's only for my first time guests. But I did want to ask, you know, we think about the Uncommon Leader podcast and the and the goal really is to help leaders grow. It's been two years since we've had you on. What's what's new for you and what's been going on in your personal development journey? Yeah, that's a wow, that's a great question. So <laughs> biggest thing is probably COVID killed my one of my businesses. And that was really tough, you know, kind of just saying, hey, it it's failed. You can't, you know, we can't get can't get employees, you know, whatever the reason, and that that's gone. And then I was also doing a significant amount of work of collaboration in the nonprofit space. And everything that was related to, uh, you know, 2021 and 2022, just the desire to collaborate dropped off. And so I pulled back a little bit and kind of said, okay, if I'm going to focus on stuff, what am I going to focus on? And I want to focus on things that add the highest value to. So I've doubled down going back to speaking circuit, consulting, and then, you know, responding to pull when, when people need help. Sounds busy. Yeah, I hope so. You know, it's kind of one of those things. And, you know, you still we still are feeling the effects of that, no doubt about it, in terms of COVID. And it's probably something we could spend a lot of time on, but probably not on this on this podcast. Maybe another episode we could discuss that because I don't think I don't think we'll see the end of that in our lifetime in terms of the impact that it's had ultimately in many different fronts. But you are that's right back on the speaking circuit. And I wanted to talk to you today about one of the specific topics that you end up talking about and how you might share with the listeners how to get going there. But I'm going to read you a quote from from an article that I read from you and just get your context on it. You said, your job, family, hobbies would each take up all 24 hours of your day if you let them. That's a quote that I read from you. Can you elaborate on that quote and what that really means to you? (laughs) So let's go extreme here for a second. We can think about the typical 26-year-old kid living at home in the basement who's on his Xbox all day long or his PS5, right? And you just think he just goes out, eats, you know, maybe goes to bed, maybe doesn't, and just playing video games. That That's his hobby and is consuming 24 hours. And then we know the workhorses on the other end 
that, you know, put in 18 hours a day of work. They come home, they sleep, they're opening their email as soon as their eyes, you know, open in the morning. And then you've got families, you know, your spouse, your kids, your grand, in my case, I have a granddaughter and, you know, it's just it, your family will take up all of those chunks of time too. So you have to be very judicious with how you split it. If you want to be effective across all of them. Well, 20, so you talk, you talk about that family, again, you talk about your hobbies and ultimately the work side. And then that fourth component, and you didn't really say, because that's what I was adding with the 24 hours is, oh, by the way, we'd like you to get some sleep in there. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, and that and that's crazy. And, and I mean, as leaders, we face that all the time. I mean, a lot of, of type A's in terms of leadership positions, they have to work, they feel like they need to work and they'll neglect some of those things. They'll neglect their health and what they need to do on their time. I'm a perfect example of that in terms of how I used to be and how I need to make a change there. They neglect family time. And that's why the divorce rate in this country is as high as it is, unfortunately, in terms of neglecting. And ultimately, all for the need to succeed in whatever yeah, right. success is, is designed right. as. So, you know, when in your experience and working with the individuals that you've coached and that you've spoken with, you know, why is it that we have that feeling? Why do we get sucked into that need for success in our business and neglect all those other things? What gets in the way? Oh my gosh. So, I mean, John, that's a really, that's a really deep question there. I think what I find most repetitively is that there's a pattern they're trying to repeat that they see. And that pattern is the pattern that will lead to importance or significance. And in most cases, you, you sacrifice one or two of those three on the altar of the other one. And I don't think a lot of people have someone to talk to about it. I don't think they feel you know comfortable talking to their significant other or their parents or another colleagues makes them feel vulnerable or they just don't, they won't like the way they reprioritize it. So I think that that makes it really hard. And with the number of women in the work field too, and, you know, taking on, you know, additional responsibilities than that was different just a handful of years ago, you know, there's, there's not a lot of quality mentoring there either. Well, you think about it too, you've been, you mentioned COVID at the start, post COVID. So you and I are in significantly different roles oh, yeah. than we were you know, four years ago with a big company and uh, the actual thought of discussing with our superior, you know, family balance and life work balance and wanting to have more sleep, or frankly, if I want to take a 15 minute nap in the middle of the day, because science says it's much more healthy for you than just keeping going over and over and over again. That's not something that's discussed in the workplace either in terms of yeah. what really works. So I make up that, you know, our workplace does make that a little more difficult. And I think in the space of being an entrepreneur now and having some of that control, I didn't realize four or five years ago how I would feel, how I would feel that much better as a result of being able to do that. And at the same time, not necessarily, worry is not the right word, but I'll use that word, concern maybe about the number of hours that I work because it was in a space that I was really having fun. It's in a space that I enjoy. That's something I'm really good at. And a lot of folks are you know, doing that nine to five in time that they hate. They're tired when they get done. They get home. They still have to cook dinner, make it for the family, get get their kids in bed or grandchildren in bed as we go forward in terms of some of that changes. And it's hard. I mean, it's, mm, it's, it it's really difficult. And so you talk about your coaching. You talk about really that if we take a few simple steps that we should be able to 
get back at least five hours a week without necessarily giving up anything. Now, that's that's quite a change. That's quite a productivity improvement in terms of getting that back without sacrificing anything. Mm-hmm. What are some of the methodologies that you discuss then or the ideas that you have that will help us do that? Yeah, gosh. I mean, five hours, John. I think a lot of people would say, hey, I'll take five hours and I'll reuse that. And if I, if I go back to my corporate days and oh, look, I'm not advocating for people to be entrepreneurs. It's, it's a tough road. Mm-hmm. You've got ups and downs on it as well. But certainly this works in the corporate arena. When you've got your head down, if you own your own business, I used it then. So I think the very first thing I ask is what is important to you and prioritizing that short list of three to five things and then how to actually divide your time. Just being honest with yourself to saying, hey, my job is most important or my family is most important or my hobbies are most important. And, and under hobbies, I would put any, anything that you spend free time on. So that could be exercise, you know, that could be just doing something fun. It could be hanging out, could be watching Netflix. But I've looked at too many people's calendars, audited too many times to say, hey, we're we've got some, we've got some, we have some serious opportunity here to be able to to help you out. Did you know that many of the things that I discuss on the Uncommon Leader podcast are subjects that I coach other leaders and organizations on? If you would be interested in having me discuss one-on-one or group coaching with you or know someone who is looking to move from underperforming to uncommon in their business or life, I would love to chat with you. Click the link in the show notes to set up a free call to discuss how coaching might benefit you and your team. Now, back to the show. When you think about the most unique. Maybe let's let's not talk about the biggest problem that you've observed on a calendar, but let's talk about a win with with some of your coaching style. Maybe what's one of the success stories you've had with a client that shows some of the techniques that you use have been very helpful for them. It just this first one is just so obvious, and it's the elimination of meetings. And I, I tell you, COVID absolutely exploded the number of meetings that were required to attend. They did it virtual. You know, we got back to back Zoom meetings or back to back Teams meetings. We don't even have bio breaks in between. We're running late from one to the other. There is no travel time. You know, the travel time is just clicking on another link and we're still late and we're not present. We're alt tabbing between windows. You know, we're responding to emails. A lot of these meetings don't require our decision making to go on. So one of the, you know, the things that I, I like to challenge leaders the most, and this doesn't necessarily work if you're the front line, but if you have any type of leadership role, if there's a, a, a meeting that you're attending where you're not required to make an, a decision. If someone else take it off, just get rid of it right mm-hmm. off the bat. And, and there's a lot, I mean, look, some leaders are control freaks and they think that no one else is going to be able to handle it. If that's you, that's a whole separate podcast. FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah, it they is. They don't want to miss anything, right? Yeah. Right. Or miss that decision. But I, I, I can't tell you how many times I look at a calendar and easily pulled, easily pulled hours and hours off because of meetings people were attending, especially post COVID that they just don't need to attend anymore. And some of the meetings are duplicate meetings. And I'd say, Hey, take a nice hard look at this. Maybe get a peer from another business. Say, what is that meeting really doing? Is it really adding value? Is there someone that I can have attended in my place that can make the decision and escalate it to me if I need to? That, that seems too easy. 
But when you look at the double, triple, quadruple booked calendars that I see a lot of people have these days, yeah, you you got to get them off and block them and don't let people fill them up. I like that. I like that in terms of time blocking is something that obviously I would teach out as well. And even blocking time for nothing. For nothing. Blocking time I block for tons nothing. of time for nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that nothing we end up putting, you know, the infants, there is never nothing, but it yeah. is, it is reflection. It's an opportunity to rest. It's an opportunity to read. It's an opportunity to catch up on the emails. We never get that. The only time we get to do those emails, you talked about the start. If we have those back-to-back double book meetings, is at night or early in the morning. So we yeah. neglect those other things to catch up on emails right. that could have been done. I love that as an idea in terms of eliminating, especially those duplicate meetings. And you you say this in your notes is to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a process of let's make sure that it adds value. I mean, meetings, we could spend 45 minutes talking about that. Do you start them on time? Why does it have to be 60 minutes? Because you do right. it in 15 minutes if it's right. a start. You know, there are so many different ways to go through that. So eliminating meetings right yeah. off the bat. That's and the John, for the, for the really aggressive ones, I would say wipe the calendar clean and build a new one. Oh, I like don't, that. Don't start from 100 and work it down. Start from zero and add the critical few. And then see which ones. And let a week go by and see what, which ones you're missing out on. That, that, that'd that be a far more effective way mm. to, to see which meetings. That's a really ruthless important. way too, no doubt about it. That's a, that's a dramatic kind of breakthrough that you would see. Do I really need all these meetings that are there that go forward? Let's, let's talk about a couple other ones. One of the things you said, and again, while you say you're not advocating being an entrepreneur, you're also... One of the tips you talk about is to get a job or role that maximizes your natural capabilities, your skills. <laughs> Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. Okay. So I know there's a lot of debate online now about personality tests. You know, Enneagram, don't, you know, don't force me into a box or Myers-Briggs, one of, you know, binary solutions that, you you know, you think I am. But uh, honestly, the I think the biggest thing is, is people are afraid to know what they're actually good at and what they're bad at because some of our roles if we're actually if we were bad at that we wouldn't they wouldn't want us in it so we're we're faking it and that effort is taking more effort to do our work than it than it is otherwise so if you if you take a personality test and I love them I love them all I take all of them and but I don't let that define me I just let it guide me on where I'm going to spend my time mm-hmm. and so there's always examples of things in there that just say, hey, these are different roles and these are why you would be good at them. And so I, I think in when you're doing something fun, it doesn't feel like work. And, you know, we've heard that, you know, if you if you love what you're doing, it's never work. I mean, it is work. It's still yes. work, but yes. it's much more enjoyable. And mm-hmm. I, I think that a lot of people, they need to do a, a disc or a true colors or something and just say, just be honest and say, look, this is what I'm good at. I'm not good at administrative work. I'm not good at project management. I'm not good at, but I'm great at creativity. I'm great at ideation. I think Patrick Lencioni has got a great thing with the working genius. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're doing any type of developing with his widget model, like just say, Hey, this is the part of, you know, projects that I should be part of and, and not these other parts of it. So many different tools that you can use. One of the things that I talk about is you know, really three pieces. If you've got a passion for it, if you've got a strength in it, and there's a market that you can be paid for it, you're really going to be working to your point and not feel like you're working because you're passionate yeah. about it. And again, being paid. Anytime you end up with something that you might not be good at, 
but you're passionate about. I mean, it could be a space that you want to work in, but you're just not good at it. You're going to be frustrated all the time and it's going to be in your head. It's going to be something that's going to be in your head. And with this gig economy, John, we can find fillers for the stuff we're bad at. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, that's another one of the points I have is that you, you can find a filler. Like if you're not using a virtual assistant, it's almost silly right now because they're so cheap. I mean, you can get one in the U.S. for forty or fifty dollars an hour. You can get it offshore for five or ten bucks an hour. They'll do anything that you, that you need them to do, and maybe you just need it for a niche. Like I'm bad at scheduling. I'm bad at following up with customers. You know, I'm bad at getting gifts. I'm you know, I'm bad at. I hate doing my travel arrangements. You don't need it. You don't need a secretary. You don't need an admin. You can just go get a VA, and that will cut your work down significantly. And that's stuff that you hate doing. Just I love that. Once you once you find out too what your kind of hourly rate is for the work that you do, and you start to throw that five to ten bucks an hour, even sometimes that forty bucks an hour for a U.S. based VA, it pays for itself really quickly. If, and you don't, if you can replace it with a revenue generating task. Yeah, exactly. Still, yeah. And you're you're not using them forty hours a week. I mean, you can build up to that, but I mean, most of them they'll start you at five you know five hours a week, mm-hmm. and you know you if you can keep them busy, yeah, generating revenue. Some of them will do BD closing, you know follow-ups and research for you there you know there's a lot of options out there well, i've started to hear this as a new concept and i know it's it's not new it's new to me in terms of hearing this is 10 80 10 that you take care of the 10 percent that's the most important set the scope set the goals and then delegate the 80 most of the work that's going on to the va this planning type activity that's going on and then you finish the last 10 percent mm-hmm. this 10 percent that's important tweak make those things changes and things like that and and i'll say that this is another one of your tips as well is AI is becoming something for you in terms of being able to use that as a resource. So that's one of my questions, a zinger question, like to help you be more productive, Adam. So you've had to live this to make some of this to be able to teach it. What's the last thing you've used chat GPT for to help you be more productive? (laughs) So, so the irony is years ago, when I wrote my book, I used speech to text. I did the entire book speech to text. Now that's a really nascent AI, you know, type programming. And, but now you've got so many things, chat GPT. I use Google Bard, which is very similar to to chat GPT, but there's, it, there's just so many things from composing emails to writing speeches to blog posts, you know, there's just a bunch of things. And that 108010 applies in AI as well. Mm-hmm. So you like back, I remember back in 98, 99 when Google was first coming on the market, you had to learn how to search with Google to get the results you wanted. You couldn't just spit some nonsense in and it give good, you know, good results. So they did better than the ones that were out there. Just AI is the same thing. You you, you need to learn how to feed it. And it will create something. And then once it creates something, you can go in, modify it and tweak it and make it human again. Because there's still, it's still really clunky, this, some of the stuff that it responds, but it gives you the great opportunity. I love that 10, 80, 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10%, set the AI up, let AI run, and then tweak the 10%. I mean, it'll do, uh, it, there's new tools every single day, uh, apps that are downloading, you know, some of them are going out of business, some of them are coming up, but at least get ChatGPT or Google Bard or, you know, some of this stuff and and just have it, anything that you need written, just stick it in there. That's it'll crazy it. what it'll do for you. I mean, I've yeah. used it, like you said, to help me write emails or help me with my old English that doesn't work very well either. Make sure <laughs> I don't embarrass myself to make that yeah. happen. So I will probably, John, write one of my very next speeches just on AI. I would like to, I would like to, again, see the product and see you do that. Cause I think it's going to be cool. I, again, 
set aside, you know, the debate about, you know, whether it's bad or that's, that's not what this is about. Any, anything that exists has the potential to be bad or evil in terms of how it's used. But when you can use it effectively, it's a, it's a, I believe it's a phenomenal tool from a productivity standpoint, from a content development standpoint, and from, you know, creating those types of. So I give you a real practical example. I had, I wrote a couple of blogs and I, my SEO guy was like, Hey, I need you to write, I don't know, it's like five blogs. And I, so I wrote the first two and they took, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 minutes each, 800 to 1200 words, somewhere in that range. I was really putting my you know thought into it. And I'm like, I'm never going to get through this, all of these blogs. So the next three, I did the 1080 10 with, with uh, Google Bard built each paragraph. And I think I did those three and maybe 20 minutes. Hmm. So, you know, going from an hour and a half down to 20 minutes, that's, you know, you're getting a lot that's of huge. Tech. Yeah. That's huge. If you're trying to do again, one or two or three blog posts a week, that's really big. That's a yeah. big number in terms of going through. And I've, I've had to at least learn because one of the goals I set with, with some of those activities, again, blog posts, that's content development is very important as mm-hmm. You know, leaders who care about developing other leaders, we want to share the content. We want to share the skills and the resources that we have, but it takes time to do that. We've got to, we've got to get more efficient at that. I set a goal this year to reduce my time by 50% to -hmm. write a blog post. I'm not there yet, but I am using AI to help me get better at it. So something I'm really doing. Now, one of the other things, and while AI doesn't necessarily do that, but it frees time up for other space, that five plus Mm -hmm. hours you're talking about inside of our 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. oftentimes we approach leaders and say, when do you do your personal development? Do you read any leadership <laughs> books? Do you read any? I don't have time to do that personal development stuff. So what's, what's, I know you're focused on leadership development. What's a unique habit or discipline you have to ensure that it fits into your 24 hours to get your personal development? I don't out? read books anymore, ever. I don't never crack open a book. I've read hundreds and hundreds of them. I just don't do that anymore. If it's not an audiobook, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read it. And I'll do the audiobook at two X. I'll listen to that. I I do the base of my learning through podcasts I, again at one and a half or two X. Mm-hmm. And then if it's something interesting, I'll, you know, I'll go back. But and then if the podcast really goes on about a specific book that you know, I'll go get I'll go get the audiobook and and I'll rifle through it. But yeah, if it's not audio. I'm, so I'm so I love that. Down. So I love that both audio only. I, I like that one one and a half to two x. I got two different paths I want to ask about. One is like when do you listen to the audio there? Like when do you listen to your books or your yeah? Any time that I can't interact with something else. So if I'm waiting in a line at an airport, if I'm in my car, if I'm riding my bike, you know, times where my you know it's just not possible for me to be having a conversation or interacting with a device. I mean, sure, you can use your phone in the car, but, and you don't need a ton. I mean, you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can, if you're listening at 2X, you get, you know, an hour done in 30 minutes or you get 30 minutes done in 15. It's it's just very easy. No, I, I love that. And then the the actual stacking of the habits, James Clear would talk about in Atomic Habits. He would say stacking those habits together. So your exercise and you're doing your personal development at the same right. time by listening to a podcaster. And you're not and, feeling like you're stacking it. Yeah, it's right. just you're, you're. It's less energy on the. You know, you you don't have focused on your pain your body's in when you're cycling or mm-hmm. lifting weights or whatever. And then at the same time, you're put you know filling your mind with some some good stuff to consider that night or the next day mm-hmm. or whatever. So you can see up here, I'm a book guy though. I'm a hard. I like to touch. <laughs> I like to write in. I like to highlight. I like it to dog ear the pages. 
part of that is to be able to go back and reference what I heard and what I'd like to go back to it. How do you do that in the audio space? How do you get a recollection or a summary of what you want? Uh, to, yeah. So, I mean, that's tough. So usually what I do in an audio book is I'll throw a bookmark in there and it'll save all those bookmarks on the content. But more often than not, I'll end up just looking up a PDF of that book summary. And then, you know, it just, just enough to jog my memory on what that topic was. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I mean, I've got highlighters, you know, all in there, but with, you know, with the search engine capability power now and some of the summary stuff, it's, you know, if you can just bookmark it or I'll speak speech to text it in my, in my okay. phone, you know, that, that does some things that I do. Yeah. The, the print screens of the podcast are ones that I like to do at certain times and I'll make a quick oh, note yeah. on it. And, but I like the audio, the text note as well that could be done there that's pretty cool and i like that that you again you don't necessarily have that specific time per se you're doing that when you've got some other activity when you have downtime and you can be able to do that on a regular basis yep adam you got quite a methodology that goes through that in terms of understanding the tips that you need to do let me ask you this odd question in terms of about that process. What have I not asked you that you want to make sure that the listeners hear about this process of gaining this time back and being more productive, getting the time back? For hardworking professionals, the most neglected is usually your family. Hmm. And we we can want to do it. And one of my favorite leaders, Andy Stanley, wrote a book years ago about you know, reprioritizing family over, I don't remember, I don't know what the latest uh, title is, but it used to be called choosing the cheat, mm-hmm. which it's not that anymore, but it's when work and family collide and you, you know, the family could take 24 hours to up your time if you give them. But the thing that changed mine with my life, with my wife and my kids was Gary Chapman's five love languages mm. and just understanding what each of their love languages. And if it's not quality time, then quality time is not helping them. And you've got, you know, if you've got five different ones to pick from, you've got acts of service and you've got gifts and you've got physical touch. And, you know, you, you've got these five that you can say, hey, my wife is this with a side of this. My kid is this with the side of that. And and then what I would do is I would set up time for with them. And then I would just invest in those love languages and their tank would be full and it wouldn't take hours and hours and hours. Now, one of my, my wife's is quality time. So that makes it hard. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I just, I, I have not put a, ever put a ton of overtime into my work. If, if the, if the job requires it, I'm either not interested or, you know, they, they can find someone else. It's, I'm just not going to prioritize that, but it doing, doing the five love languages and it, it actually works for employers and employees mm-hmm. too, but really at home, you can make a significant advancement when how your family feels about you by employing those techniques. Love that. Thanks for sharing that. And I do think, I don't know why it is easiest to neglect the family side in terms of what we do. It really is. Yeah. I mean, so you uh, supposedly right. love the most, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And so those, those are the ones, since you love them most, they love you the most. You feel rightly or wrongly that you can take that for granted and, yeah. Well, I think there's so much pressure for us to perform at work. We uh, most of us, you know, gain our identity when they're like, "What do you do?" We that sure. we describe our job first. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't describe that we're a husband or a, or a wife or a, or a mom. And a lot of people too, they'll be like, "Adam, what do you mean you didn't work overtime?" It's like, "Well, I decided years ago I'm not going to waste my time on overtime, but I'm going to manage my boss." Mm-hmm. And so, if you're managing your boss, 
and knowing exactly what he or she wants. And some of those bosses can be really difficult and you can spend way less time working and getting stuff done and still looking good and getting promoted than, than just cranking out a bunch of hours. How do you do that? How do you manage your boss? Well, your boss, right? I want to see what you used to do to me. <laughs> yeah. John was my boss for a while. He just let me go. <laughs> And one of these rules is not going to apply because I, I absolutely made him look bad all the time. But, you know, one, <laughs> one, one of the things is you, your boss never wants to get yelled at, right, for something stupid that you did. So you need to at least tell him what you did dumb, right? Which I think, John, I told you pretty much all the time when I did something that they weren't going to like. And But if if they're armed with the data, then they can side with you. The second thing is bosses always want to to look good. So if you can give them, let them take full credit for everything you do, then you're going to get so just, you're going to get advanced. It's just when promotion time comes, they're, they're, they're going to push you. you be, be closer to your boss than all of your peers. Because if your mm-hmm. peers are doing hallway smack talk and you haven't updated your boss, he's going to side with the person that's the closest. So those are a couple like simple things that you can do, especially for introverts who aren't oozing cares, you know, charisma. It's like, if you can take these steps, you can cut your overtime. And I, trust me, I've done it, got promoted. It works. It's easy. And you're still doing a great job. Sure. It's just, you're not doing at what the expected rate is. Well, I think it's so important to understand, as you say, manage your best. It's under, under, certainly important to understand the results that they want and how they want them delivered. That makes it easy yeah. you know, for them yep. to, again, communicate it. You don't have to do any rework. So that can be really powerful. And you're right. We used to spend a good deal of time. I don't know how I used to re- how I used to refer to it exactly, but I would try to. Uh, I mean, Adam, you were the innovation guy, yeah. and of all the folks in our organization that were there, because of Adam's innovation background, because of his creativity, because of the tools that he understood, and many of the employees in our organizations did not understand that. It was oftentimes that his approach was questioned, and so it was my job to, you know, in essence, make sure that. Uh, regardless of that, Adam was still allowed to use the process that that he had designed, and then it would work if we allowed him to do that. So that was that was really part of how we worked together, and I think we worked together pretty well. Uh, we did, and we had it. tremendous success at clients. We um, did as a result of that. It was just not the way some people liked it, which is fine. Absolutely. So, Adam, here's kind of the finished question. I appreciate you sharing about you know immediately adding time to your calendar. It's really, two more questions. The first one is, you know, looking ahead on your journey. So mm-hmm. we sit down again two years from now, mm-hmm. and we're going to be on another podcast talking about what Adam Ward has going on. What is it that is going to be better for Adam Ward in the next couple of years? Yeah, I, I think the next two years are going to be a, a hyper focus of where I actually want to spend my time. And, you know, being able to choose the companies that I work with, the people I work with. And and being really picky about the ones that want to improve, the ones that want to get better, and that will, you know, just perform, be curious, be humble, listen. That's probably one of the biggest things. The second thing, you know, say, hey, watch out, is that I don't know what two years from now is going to look like, but I guarantee that I'm going to put whatever I'm doing as a focus and I'll follow where that leads. And so I, Whatever I'm good at, I'm going to push, and then we'll see where the path goes. Very cool. Well, Adam, I appreciate you sharing time with the listeners again of the Un- Uncommon Leader podcast. 
How can folks get in touch with you if they want to hear more about this or the other things you have going on? Oh, yeah. She, well, they can go to adammward.com. That's Adam M. That's 2M Ward.com. And you can contact me on that page. There's a, a contact form if, if they want to check that out. I'm on LinkedIn too under Innovation Adam. Okay. Type that well, in. I, I'll pop in, you know, pop up on 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 the results. AdamMWard.com. I'll put the link to that and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And once again, Adam. It was great to invest some time with you to share and learn from you. And I wish you the best in the future. Man, John, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, that's all for today's episode of the Uncommon Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening in. Please take just a minute to share this podcast with that someone you know that you thought of when you heard this episode. One of the most valuable things you can do is to rate the podcast and leave a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, or you can rate the podcast on Spotify or any other platform you listen. Until next time, go and grow champions.